Our scripture reading tonight will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. That's the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. In the supplied pew Bibles, that would be page 828, 828. I'll read. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Over the next few weeks on Sunday evenings, we're going to be talking about love, authentic love. What does love really look like? I want these lessons, I pray and I hope, to be practical, to be useful, to be something that you can take and you can put into practice right now, tonight, in your life. As we think about what love looks like, it's important for us, first of all, to consider what Lyle just read. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment in all the Bible? And Jesus didn't even have to think about it. He knew immediately. He's the one that wrote the Old Testament in the first place. And Jesus says, the first and greatest commandment is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment is just like it. It's like unto it. It's found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus answered a question about the greatest commandment that God has given, he said, it's all about love. Love for God, love for your neighbor. We ought to stop and think about the priority, the primacy of love in God's plan. Open your Bibles with me to a couple of passages as we introduce the study tonight. Look at John chapter 15 and verse 13. John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus is about to go to the cross and he's telling his disciples some things that he wants to leave ringing in their ears. And in John 15, 13, he says this. Greater love, there's our word, has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. I thought a lot about that passage over the years. One of the things that all of us have to acknowledge about love is that there is definitely an emotional aspect to love. Definitely when we're concerned about somebody, when we love somebody, we feel emotions for them. But love is not just emotional. Love is a decision. It is a choice. It is a policy that we put into practice in our lives because we want to seek the best for others. And John 15, 13 bears that out. It's not just that we have warm, fuzzy feelings about somebody. That's not great love. Great love is when I make the choice, the decision, to lay down my life for my friends. Jesus says love is a decision. It's a choice. It's not just an emotion and a feeling that you feel, although that's part of it. Turn to another passage. Turn to Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. As we think about the priority of love, 
In the New Testament book of Titus, Paul gives some instructions to the church, to Titus, about how he's to instruct the church. And in Titus 2 verse 4, he commands by inspiration that the older women teach the younger women. You know, it's funny, you don't hear as much these days about that particular passage of Scripture, how the older ladies are to teach the younger ladies. And there's a specific content, by the way, that the older ladies are supposed to be teaching the younger ones. Specifically, in Titus 2 verse 4, they are to admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. And so, as you look at Titus chapter 2 verse 4, one of the things I learn about love is that love itself can be learned. You're not just born into this world automatically knowing how to love somebody properly. If we're going to love somebody, whether it be a wife loving her husband or loving her children, whether it be a man learning to love his wife, love is something that can be learned if we'll put ourselves to the practice of love. It can be learned. We can know better what it means to love somebody if we'll listen to what God's Word has to say about it. Third passage as we think about love this evening. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 in your New Testament. Paul loved the church at Philippi, and he prayed for them all the time, he said. And one of the things he prayed for them was really fascinating. He said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, this is what I'm praying for you, Philippian church, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. When we start talking about biblical love and about what love looks like, love, Jesus says, is the greatest command. Love, Paul says, can be learned. And now when you read about Philippians 1 verse 9, we learn that love can grow even in a place where love is already seen. You want to know one of the things I personally pray for the church here as frequently as I can? I like to pray the way Scripture says that people prayed for the church in Scripture. And one of the things I pray for very frequently is that even though love can be seen in so many places, in so many of our lives, in so many of the, the little things that you see people doing for one another because we're brethren, because we love each other, because we love the Lord, that our love might abound still more and more. Do you ever pray that for the church here, for the church elsewhere? Do you pray that even though love is already seen and yes, there's a lot of it, it's a commendable thing, that there's going to be even more? That people are going to be treating each other even in more loving ways and that more of God's love is going to be seen? That's what Paul prayed for. And not just that, but he prayed that their love might abound in knowledge and discernment, that they might approve the things that are excellent, that the things that are really worth doing and the things that are really worth thinking about that's what those brethren were going to be all about. Love can grow. And even if you're the most loving person in this room, one of us is, I don't know who that is, I have my guesses, but even if one of us in this room were the most loving person, you can still grow in love. I think all of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, would have to admit, you know what, I've got a long way to go before I could really be thought of as a loving person. We can grow in this area. So, the next few weeks, we're going to be talking on Sunday nights about love and what it is.
I want to call your attention tonight to one specific statement in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Open your Bibles there if you would. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the chapter of love, the love chapter. And it's sandwiched in the middle of a book written to a church about problems in that congregation. The brethren in, in uh, Corinth were really having some serious troubles. They were fussing and feuding about all kinds of issues, all kinds of matters, some of them personal, some of them doctrinal. But the church was just kind of a mess in some ways. And Paul says, I just want to take a few minutes to point you, church at Corinth, to the most excellent gift that any of us can ever possess. He calls it in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, a more excellent way. You see that? 1 Corinthians 12, 31. The more excellent way. That's the introduction to chapter 13. I'm going to tell you, Paul says, about the more excellent way. And then he starts talking about what love is and what it's like and what it does in chapter 13. There are 15 characteristics or qualities of love mentioned between verse 4 and verse 7. 15 characteristics or qualities of love. Seven of them are positive. Eight of them are negative. What love does, positive. What love does not do, negative. There's seven positive and eight negative. We're going to talk about one of the positive ones tonight. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, as Paul is wrapping up his description of love, he says this, four, four things. He says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. If you notice those four terms, those four expressions, they kind of form a unit. Bearing and enduring, the first and the last, have to do with what love does right now. How love focuses on the present. Bearing all things, enduring all things. And then the two in the middle, hoping and believing all things, have to do with what love does concerning the future. When love looks into somebody's future, love hopes all things. When love looks into somebody's future, love believes all things. I just want us to focus our attention tonight on that first expression in 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love bears all things. The Greek word has to do with covering something up. If there were a boat... This is an illustration that's actually used in the Greek lexicons. If there were a boat in Old Testament times or in New Testament times and ancient times that sprung a leak, the word that's being used here in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 is the word that they would use to patch that leak, to cover that up. There's a hole in the boat. We're going to cover it up. Love bears all things. The word is also used in the sense that it's on the screen behind me, to bear up a weight, to carry something. And what I'd like for us to do this evening is just spend a few minutes thinking about practically, if my love were to bear all things, what would it look like? What does it look like for love to bear all things? Here you go, number one. If love bears all things, that means that love is going to be the buffer between imperfect people. If you've got a car, I hope that you change the oil regularly in your car. You know why? If you fail to change the oil, it's going to get old, it's going to burn up, and eventually it will stop lubricating all the machine parts that are happening and all the things that are going on in your engine. 
and your engine will seize up eventually because the engine needs, the way it's designed, it needs the lubricant of that oil to continue to allow everything to function the way it's designed. Did you know that in the New Testament church, did you know that in people's families, that love is the buffer, it is the lubricant, it is the oil, it is the grease that allows imperfect people to live together, to work together, to worship together in such a way that they don't constantly have fighting and friction. Sometimes the church needs to hear this. Sometimes there's too much fighting and friction that goes on among us. And if we're wise, we will think about the principle that love bears all things. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, Peter commands his brethren to love one another fervently with a sincere heart. And then he goes on to say in 1 Peter 4, verse 8, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love's not naive. It doesn't, it doesn't just turn a blind eye to sin, but I'll tell you what love does. Love realizes that it's good for us as human beings because we care about each other, because we're concerned for each other. It's good for us to learn to choose our battles wisely. If you don't choose your battles wisely, you will be fighting somebody all the time. Love covers a multitude of sins. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11, the Proverbs writer says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. Think about that. And his glory, it goes on to say, is to overlook a transgression. You know, I don't have to make a big deal out of everything that is wrong around me. You don't have to make a big deal out of everything that is wrong around you. Love is the buffer between imperfect people. Without love, without practicing a love that bears all things, we're gonna constantly be at each other's throats. That's just what happens. Love is the buffer. That's not to say that we're soft on sin. It's not to say that sin doesn't matter. It's not to say that, that wrongs don't need to be taken care of and righted. None of that is what we're saying. What we're saying is, oftentimes, our first reaction, our first instinct when somebody wrongs us or somebody does something wrong, our first reaction is to try and go and correct that. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Those verses need to be thought about more if we're gonna practice a love that truly bears all things. What does love do? Secondly, love listens to and empathizes with the hurting. That's what love does. It listens to and it empathizes with the hurting. Over the years, there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a marriage and family counselor. That's, that was my career path. That was my goal in life. And over the years, I have read a lot of material on counseling how to help somebody. And I don't want to oversimplify what's been written by many, many wonderful, helpful books. But I will tell you this. I have come to the distinct conclusion that one of the very best things any of us can do 
is to just actively listen to people who are hurting without trying to fix necessarily what's going on in their lives, without trying to be the problem solver, just to listen to what they have to say because people have a need and a desire to be heard and understood. And if we would just acknowledge that, they want to be heard, they want to be understood, they want me to listen to and empathize with what they're going through. That in of itself, even if I don't know what to do in this person's situation, that is helpful. And what I'm doing, brothers and sisters and friends, is I am allowing myself to hear someone else's burden. That's what you're doing. Allowing yourself to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. In Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, prophetically Isaiah said this about the coming Messiah. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Surely he has carried our transgressions. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He bore all of it that we might live. One of the things Jesus did was, yes, legally, biblically, he justified us when he went to the cross. But I'll tell you this, when I read the life of Christ, this is a person who listened to and empathized with those who were hurting. How can you escape that conclusion? Just think about Luke chapter 5 when he touches the leper. You've heard lessons about that. Nobody would have touched that man for years because he was unclean. But Jesus, I'm willing, I'll heal you. And he could have healed him any way he wanted. He could have just spoken the words. Jesus reached out and touched. He empathized. Love bears all things. It listens to and empathizes with the hurting. Matthew 7, 12. You know, sometimes when we're hurting, it would be good for us to think about Matthew 7, 12. When I'm hurting, what do I want other people to do? If somebody can't fix what's going on in my life, if they can't change the situation that's affecting me, that's afflicting me, what do I want them to do? And I'll tell you what most of us want people to do in a Matthew 7, 12 kind of way. I want people to listen to. I want people to empathize with. Matthew 7, 12, by the way, is the golden rule if you're not familiar with it. Whatever you'd have men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Brothers and sisters and friends, love bears all things. It's the buffer between imperfect people, but it also walks into people's lives who are hurting and it sits down with them and it says, I may not understand what you're going through and I may not have any idea what kind of pain you're feeling right now, but if you'd like to, I want to listen and I want to pray with you and I want us to think about biblical things together. Listen to and empathize with the hurting. That's what love does. Number three, love bears all things. What does that mean? Love speaks very little of burdens and insults. Love speaks very little of burdens and insults. You know, a lot of times when we're hurting, when we're upset, when we're aggravated, we want to talk about it. We want to tell everybody how we're feeling because we're uncomfortable. Incidentally, when you read 1 Corinthians 13, it comes to my attention every single time I read it. 
You can't do most of what's in 1 Corinthians 13 concerning love unless you're agitated, aggravated, or irritated somehow. Just can't. Love is patient. Anybody can be patient with somebody they're enjoying time with. It's tough when I'm aggravated, irritated, burdened. It's tough when things aren't going all that well. Love bears all things. Well, anybody can bear all things when we're having a great time together, when we're enjoying each other's company. Anybody can bear all things in those circumstances. But what about when I've been insulted? What about when I have been burdened, inconvenienced by somebody? How do I handle that? Love speaks very little of burdens and insults. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 32. Look at verses 1 and 2. David is talking about forgiveness. He's talking about the Lord's forgiveness specifically. I want us to think about it in terms of love. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's a matter of character, brothers and sisters and friends. It's a matter of who we are on the inside. Love speaks very little of burdens and insults. You ever get in one of those one-up type of, type of conversations, somebody starts talking about something bad that somebody did to them, and, oh, I got a better story than that, and it just kind of goes around and around and around? Love says, there's some things that I just need to keep to myself. This is not going to help anybody. This is not going to help anybody become more like Christ. This is not going to bring anybody closer to him. I just need to practice the discipline of keeping my mouth closed. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Love bears all things. It covers some sin. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Listen to what the scripture teaches. Three things. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted to one another. Forgiving one another in love, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be kind, be tender-hearted, be forgiving. You know, sometimes people mess up in our lives, in our experience. And we want to take every opportunity we can to remind them of that. Love bears all things. And that means that I must willingly choose to bear the burden. I'm not going to bring this up anymore because I don't want to cause any undue embarrassment. I don't want to cause any undue pain. Some things just need to be forgiven. And then we practice the discipline of forgetting. Love is kind. Love is tender-hearted. Love is forgiving. Not going to bring this up over and over. Speaks very little of burdens and insults. You want to be better at loving? These are some ways to do that. Number four this evening. Love bears all things. Love prays for people who are difficult. You know, we want to talk to everybody who will listen when we face a discouraging, difficult situation, especially a discouraging, difficult person. Somebody that just won't see the light. Somebody that's just tough to deal with. I want to talk to everybody about it. But have you talked to the Lord about that person? Have you taken it to God in prayer? Jesus says, love your enemies. And one of the ways in which he tells us specifically to love our enemies is to pray for them. Did you know that? Matthew 5, 44 and 45. Your enemy is anybody you're mad at. 
Sometimes your enemy is the person you live with. Somebody I'm mad at. Pray for them. Talk to God about that person. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares upon him. He cares for you. Pray about that person. I'll tell you a personal story. Some time ago, not here, I was having some struggles with some people in my life and I was going through some really down times. And I made a list of all the people that I thought had done wrong. I, I, I make lists when I pray because it helps me to think about who I'm praying for. And, and I looked at that list and I started my prayer. And you know what I did? I went down that list person by person by person and I told God how to fix that person. God, if you just do this for this person, they'd be better off. And, and this person really needs help with their attitude in this particular area. And, and I did that. I, I'm not, not proud of it. I'm just telling you. I wanted to pray for the people that were difficult for me to deal with, but that wasn't the right approach to doing such a thing. You know how Paul prayed for people who were difficult? Paul acknowledged there were some real problems Think about the lesson we preached recently in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Alexander the coppersmith has done me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his deeds. 2 Timothy 4 verse 15. All of that, yes, Paul acknowledged. But when Paul prayed for people, he prayed that God's grace and God's peace would be upon them. And what that means is that he was praying, I know God that you're not finished with that person. I know that that person is a work in progress. And may your grace continue to be seen in that person's life so that they can develop and grow and become more like Christ. They can become more like your son Jesus because that's what you want from all of us. And God, may your peace be upon that person and more may I be at peace with them because I want to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Love prays for people who are difficult. And it's been my experience since I'm on the subject. When you pray for someone who's difficult, and I'm not just talking about once, all of a sudden your demeanor and your attitude and the way that you think about that person, it changes by the power of God. How we need to pray, pray and pray some more for the relationships in our lives that are tough because love bears all things. Number five, love trusts that God is able to work through us. Love bears all things. But God, don't you see what's wrong? Don't you see how this person is behaving? And don't you see how irritating and disturbing and distracting it is to other people? How, how discouraging it is to the people that, that live around this person? Don't you see those things? God sees those things. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought about the environment that love creates? When you need to plant shrubs and grass and things like that, typically around here in Houston, I guess you can plant just about any time of the year and it'll do okay. In most parts of the country, because of the winter, you don't plant in December. When do you plant? You plant when the environment is conducive and there, there could be growth. 
March, April, May, when the weather starts getting warm, you start planting those new plants and they can take root and the sun and the rain can nourish those plants and the environment is better and growth can take place. Guess what? Love creates an environment in which people can change and be transformed and molded into the image of Christ. Love is what creates that environment. And if there's not a love that's willing to bear all things, to believe that even though there are some things that are wrong, I'm going to be patient, I'm going to bear all things, I'm going to strive to be like Jesus. Because when that atmosphere is present, people can grow. People can be transformed and relationships can be richer and they can be fuller and they can be deeper. That's what God is able to do if we'll just be serious about his command to love. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, Paul called love the more excellent way, as we talked about a moment ago. And in Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Love believes if I will just bear all things, if I'll just practice what I read in 1 Corinthians 13 in my relationships with others, if I'll just put that into practice, and it's not easy to do, but if I'll do that and I'll do it consistently, what's going to happen in my relationships is the environment's going to be created where people can grow and people can change and people can repent into God's will. That's what love can accomplish. That's why it's such a wonderful thing. And brothers and sisters and friends, as a congregation, we need to emphasize biblical love more than we already do. We must do it because there are so many things that could pull us apart as a congregation. There are so many problems that arise among us because we're human. We're human beings. So many problems that arise among us. If we don't get serious about loving one another, the environment where people can grow and be close to the Lord is not going to be what it ought to be. In our relationships and maybe our souls themselves can be at stake. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14, he says, let all that you do be done in love. My challenge to you this week is think about how love bears all things. Pick one of those five that we talked about tonight put it into practice in a very practical way in one of your relationships, maybe at home, maybe in the church, maybe at work, but be a person who's serious about love. Get your songbooks and open to the song that Michael announced just a few moments ago. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that there is no price he would be unwilling to pay. In fact, he loves you so much that he laid down his life for you. Greater love hath no one than that. Nobody has ever loved you like Jesus does. Respond to his will tonight if you're not a Christian. Put your faith and your trust in him that he is the Savior, the Messiah. Repent of your sin, confess his name, and be baptized. When you're baptized, you enter into a relationship with Christ. It is the new birth, John chapter 3, verse 5. If you need to make that commitment this evening, if you'd like to respond and ask for prayers, we'll pray with you, we'll pray for you. Please come while together we stand and while we sing.